What is the Xbox expansion pass? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, hello. Greetings. I am 343 Guilty Spark, monitor of Installation 04. Greetings to all of you reclaimers here on Xbox Expansion Pass. <laughs> Xbox Expansion. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 116 of the Xbox Expansion Pass recorded on Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we welcome Captain Logan on to discuss the bombshell announcement of Microsoft acquiring Activision, and that's it. That's what we talk about. That's the show. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness extend to my good friend, Captain Logan, host of a new Xbox show that you should all be checking out called the Xbox Wrap-Up. Captain Logan, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Luke. It's great to be on. Thank you for for inviting me for this. Uh, what could be an amazing week to be talking about games, uh, and thank you for that that uh, that call out, man. Yeah, the the podcast has been a really fun thing to be jumping into. Well, it was an appropriate time to have you on because you are three episodes into this new Xbox show. You host a very successful Sea of Thieves podcast called Keelhaul Podcast, which uh, in my Sea of Thieves playing times was a regular. Uh, and I still jump in from time to time for sure. But uh, I'm not like in my Sea of Thieves zeitgeist at the moment. Uh, but you needed to have a spotlight here because you got this new show. I really enjoy it. Three episodes in. I was listening to it yesterday, uh, in fact. and. It, it it needs more eyes on it. So so we've got you here talking about what is easily the biggest thing to happen in gaming ever, in my opinion. Uh, never a bigger week in gaming news, in, in my opinion. So it, it, we had to have you here. Tell people about the Xbox wrap up. Yeah, well, uh, uh, thanks to you and to like Mr. Bad Bit and and oh, Sean Capri okay. and stuff. <laughs> okay, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Sean's good. Sean's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe's terrible, but uh, yeah, right. Sean and them. Like, thanks to you guys uh, for doing what you do because honestly, the reason I like I started off with a CFE's podcast. It was a a passion project. It was easy to focus on one game, make sure that I I know what I'm talking about and feel comfortable doing that. And then after about four years, I, I kept feeling like there was more to talk about. I had more opinions and thoughts like I'm sure many podcasters have. And before you know it, like I'm, I'm you know, feeling envious of you guys and in, in the, the awesome shows that you're doing. So I was like, I, I just need to do it. I just need to make my own podcast where I feel like I can get my feelings out there and just focus on the news uh, and stuff. So that's kind of what the, the Xbox wrap up is. I, I kind of joke to friends uh that the xbox podcast is the uh the the best general news gaming news podcast disguised as an xbox show so 
uh, while I while I don't normally uh, focus on just Xbox, uh, I cover you know PlayStation and Nintendo and general gaming stuff as well. Uh, the goal of it is to come at things from an Xbox perspective because I I love the console, I love the ecosystem. I think they're doing an, an amazing job, and and we'll get into a little bit about how it's going to even be better in the future. But I think that looking at things from that perspective, but covering everyone is is kind of a healthy way to make sure that people stay up to date so the xbox wrap-up kind of takes all of the news throughout the week and i try and see if i can condense all of it down with enough reference to keep people in the loop about things uh in a one hour thing so if you if you don't happen to listen to shows that are daily or if you don't uh have an opportunity to to hear the other side of of the gaming industry if you're just focused in on one console I try to kind of sneak everything in in a way that makes sense with the Xbox wrap up. And that's that was kind of the goal going into it. But uh, when when you're trying to come up with a, a general podcast name for like games and stuff, it's so hard these days to try and think of something that's witty, that's easy to understand, but not already taken. And having having like Xbox in the name really helps with the, the SEO for for podcasts and stuff. So I figured if I was going to focus on any one console, it, it had to be the Xbox. So you're suggesting that you discuss all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem? Is yes. that what you're doing, my friend? Yes. I told oh you I was going to. <laughs> there we are. Ladies and gents, if you like this show, you need to be having the Xbox wrap-up in your playlist as well. Aww. Easily. That's so sweet Easily. of you. Oh, you know, I'm a sweet man. I'm a sweet man. You're available you on all podcast services. Is that right? Yeah. If there's something that uh, that isn't getting getting pushed out to the feeds right now, I just need to know about it so I can so I can work on that. But yeah, you should be able to find it on on pretty much everything. I think the only place that I don't have it right now is YouTube, which I know is a, a huge sin. Uh, but I just not I, I have not found the time to be able to grab the audio, generate the uh generate an image or something for those and, and throw those up. But that, that's kind of on the to-do list for right now. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you and the, the, the YouTube space, I throw the static image up. Uh, and that to <laughs> me was a big pr process and I'm so appreciative of everybody that, that goes and supports that. Um, and before we get started into this big old Activision news, uh, they can find Xbox wrap up on Twitter at the Xbox wrap up. And I want yeah. uh, all of you guys to do that. It's a brand new account. So the follower account is currently low. Let's throw him some love and throw him some support for sure. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, dude. Appreciate yeah. that. Well, before we do talk Activision, I've got a bit of housekeeping to do. As a reminder, there is a February game giveaway. I will give away a game of your choice, dear listeners, if you head to Spotify and rate the Xbox expansion pass five stars. And uh, then respond to a tweet thread that I've got out there for it, or you can just email it or DM it to me, just an image that you have done so, and I will enter you into a game giveaway of your choice. It does not need to be an Xbox game. I'm just going to send you a code for the, the proper amount for it or gift it to you depending on the platform. Uh, I just want you guys to be able to play, play some games, and thank you for enjoying the show, and I will announce the winner on February 1st. Logan, we've got some serious stuff to talk about. Activision has been purchased by Microsoft for $68.7 billion. That is 10 times the amount that was paid for Bethesda just a year or so ago, a year and a half, or maybe even two years, whatever. 10 times the amount they paid for Bethesda. What, 
what? What, Logan? Like, tell me, <laughs> did you did anyone see this coming? Never an insider that I heard said this was coming. And yet, when you look back, it makes perfect sense. Tell me your reactions. This was insane. Um, I I was really. I'll, I'll be honest. I was really happy to see this news. Um, I know a lot of people get wary when it comes to acquisitions and, you know, what that does to the industry and how exclusives can be bad for the for the ecosystem. And uh, my, the the fanboy of me, the Xbox side of me and the Blizzard fan of me was like, yes, finally, we get a little bit of peace. We can get rid of Bobby Kotick. We can mm -hmm. turn this ship around. We oh, can yeah. finally get the stuff we want. So I was, I was really, I was a little happy about it. It was kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, 68.7 billion. That's insane, dude. How does that, that even, what does that number, number even mean? It's a lot of zeros. It's a lot of buy uh, money for a lot of different IP, a lot of studios. To me, this is a huge get in a lot of ways, uh, given that they did pay $7.5 billion for Bethesda, and we thought that was a huge amount. Uh, to go 10 times that snag Activision, but snag so much potential as well. They've got a lot of baggage for it. Uh, let's take a look at some, some of the number aspects outside of just the dollar amounts, which was so close to 69 million who uh, we have to look at the studios that they picked up in this purchase. They snagged blizzard entertainment, Beanox, digital legends, high moon studios, infinity ward, King, which you'll know from the mobile space of Candy Crush, uh, Radical Entertainment, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, Toys for Bob, Woot, and Treyarch. That's a lot of studios. That's a lot of talent. Uh, but everyone seems to be talking about one franchise within that, and that is Call of Duty. Um, yeah. Thinking about these studios, that brings the total amount of Xbox Game Studios up to 30 Four, I think there's been a little bit of mix, like mixed perception on this, given that, that certain studios are kind of just support studios and whatnot. Nonetheless, to snag the talent they did and bring the Xbox game studio talent to 34 is just wild to me, given the cadence that we're going to have going forward. Uh, any particular studio that you're really excited to see something come from, or is it about IP for you? It's oh man, I I would love to see Toys for Bob. I, I'll be honest, I kind of want to see Vicarious Visions kind of get ripped away from Diablo a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let the Diablo team kind of build up on its own, and let 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 Vicarious Visions do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to have Jen O'Neill have an opportunity to come back and you know have her piece and 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 be able to do what she wanted to do instead of mm -hmm. feeling pushed out from from the the company. Uh, but I don't I mean Ravensoft has been dealing with some issues right now. I would love to see what they can do on their own. I would Infinity Ward is a great I mean they're all really good studios. Uh the IP like Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, I would love to see more focus on those. I think they're great franchises, but there's tons of other IP that's been lying dormant under the Activision name that we just, you know, we don't even get to even talk about and that's you know we, there was a tweet that went out and I think it was a 10 minute interview with Washington post with Phil Spencer talked about, you know, Hexen and, uh, uh, some of the other games like, um, um, rock band and stuff, the things that they, they have the IP now for that they could actually do something with. Like imagine if these studios just had the opportunity to, to make what they want. And I think, you know, I talked about it on, on my show, but I think Matt booty is kind of the one that's in charge of the studios 
And he just kind of goes from studio to studio to studio and says like, Hey, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you, is there, is there, do you want to make a new IP? Imagine, you know, if you, if in toys for Bob just wanted to make something that was brand new mm-hmm. instead of being a support group for call of duty. Right. Right there. And that's the big thing. Call of duty is the talking point that a lot of people are jumping into what's going to happen with call of duty where, you know, will it stay multi-platform or not? We'll get to that. But right now, I like this idea of exploring some of the IP that are available. I, too, am excited by what Toys for Bob can do. I thought they did a great job with the Spyro and Crash Bandicoot collections and remasters. Uh, I really want to see what they could do with some mascot platformers, which is a known uh, genre void that Xbox has. They really need to get a good a good few mascot platformers. And in this purchase, they have acquired just that uh, and the potential for far more going forward. Toys for Bob, a very talented studio. I want to see something happen with the Skylanders franchise, not necessarily with Toys to Life, Ooh. but with the platforming elements and the, the bright family-friendly elements of that. There's so much potential there for a Game Pass subscription uh, for a family, right? You snag into a Game Pass prescription, prescription, subscription, uh, and you know, you've know you got something for your teenagers, you got something for your younger uh, gamers, uh, and for the family to play together, Toys for Bob, I think, is a perfect studio to deliver that content. Uh, I think it'd be really cool to see them explore some of their more dormant IP within Activision, like Time Shift or True Crime. The potential seems endless for the stuff that you wouldn't mention, like those franchises. Whereas a lot of people are talking about Diablo, Call of Duty, uh, and and even something that's a bit more niche but exciting, like Tony Hawk. Potential for me is the name of the game when it comes to this acquisition uh for sure for sure yeah yeah i I think you bring up a really good point that i don't hear too many other people talking about and that's with this pickup uh we get a lot of potential for ip that is kid friendly which is a very very weak area for for uh, xbox xbox is not really have a whole lot in the way of like kids games uh you know they they focus on minecraft and uh, Super Lucky's Tale is kind of the standout that a lot of people go to, but mm-hmm. it's just one game. Uh, this this brings in a lot of potential to be able to cater to that that demographic that normally most people would just say, "Oh, well, you know, just just buy a Nintendo Switch and you're fine." And it's like, well, mm-hmm. that kind of takes people out of the ecosystem, and that's not exactly something everyone wants to do. You don't want to have to support two consoles for one kid if you've got Game Pass. You want to be able to have something that's for them everywhere and they may you know they may be content with like Fortnite and and roblox and stuff but there's a potential to build in a whole generation of fans for things like crash bandicoot and spyro or even new ip for kids uh from those studios that you know now actually has an opportunity because they're not under the thumb of you know bobby kodak telling them they all need to work on call of duty right Right. And as xCloud becomes more prominent, the need for gaming specific devices becomes less necessary. Uh, we've seen that in the last two years with touch controls. More and more games are boasting uh, accessibility features and touch controls in the, the mobile space via xCloud. Imagine you're you're with your family out to dinner. You need to kill some time while you're waiting. And, you know, that here's my phone. Jump in. Play the latest Spyro. Play the latest Skylanders. Play the Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, toys for bob made game uh, via touch controls those options are fantastic i mean geometry wars is a, a dormant franchise within activision's ip imagine just loading up xcloud and just with a finger tracking down and, and 
playing with finger tracking as you're going oh through God. and playing Geometry Wars. The the possibilities for new gameplay within these IP are just, I think, wonderful uh, for for all ages there within. And, and we've not even mentioned. I mean, we've got so much time to and and whatnot to go through, but like. There's PC elements to this as well. When you look at StarCraft and WarCraft franchises, it's it's really exciting to me to think that when you bring a Phil Spencer-led Xbox in its current state, where they are allowing studios to have their own creativity, they talk about their studio culture being one of inclusion and one of freedom for studios to develop what they want to develop. I'm just I'm so excited by the possibilities, uh, and it'll be some time before we see those dividends paid, but. I want to see games for all ages come out of these IP and not just a rebirth of old franchises, but a new take on those franchises. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you there. And, and, and I keep thinking back to my, my kind of history with like blizzard and falling in love with games like Diablo and Warcraft and Starcraft and stuff. Those are my go-tos when I, when I really was in, in supporting that, that studio. And uh, you know, I would, I would love to see, the potential because at least the potential is there now for games like starcraft ghost uh where ben Brode or not ben Brode, sorry um dustin browder was was left the company because of the the fact that they canceled his starcraft ghost game and it's like man you know if if given the opportunity starcraft ghost could have been what gears of war was and to to have the possibility just to even think about the possibility of a coalition uh or or uh, machine games or id software being able to jump into the StarCraft world where all that lore is and that that rich kind of just environment for playing around with different play styles in, in kind of a space opera, it's it's so beautiful. Just the even mere thought of that, you know, it doesn't have to just be this, this uh, uh, you know, relic of a, of a bygone time when people played RTSs and, you know, Korea is the only one that is is staunchly supporting it in esports. It could be so much more. And if if we just had the opportunity to do that, we weren't so focused on uh, trying to just keep the bare minimum or or just focus in on the the two big cash cows or the three big cash cows that Activision Blizzard King does. Then you you could actually make. Imagine if you imagine if you didn't have to worry about money. And you mm-hmm. you could just do whatever you wanted, and money was not an uh, an issue. How creative could you be if you were one of these studios and you weren't just just trying to make as much money possible for the the top echelon of the of the company and the shareholders? And right, uh, that's what Microsoft does. They they go in. I've always had two two philosophies with the with the major console manufacturers, not Nintendo, notwithstanding. Sony always gives a, a product to a company and they grow that product as if they're, as if they're trying to, you know, they, they're, they're the artisan building a log cabin out in the woods. Uh, they want to build it their way and they're, they're giving someone the opportunity to build it and they'll watch and see how beautiful that, that cabin looks. And if it's good, then they will hire that company to do that for them forever. Microsoft, on the other hand, will look at a house and think this house has a lot of potential, but it is in bad shape and it is in dire need of refurbishment. So they will buy the house at low cost and then work on rebuilding that house from the foundation up. And the structure, the, the everything's there. The foundation is laid. They just need to take care of it. They just need to, to foster that community and that, that culture that is so, so natural for Xbox to, to have with everyone and see what they can do with it. So it's, it's like 
every time I see these kind of acquisitions by uh, Sony and Microsoft, I always look at like, what is the goal of what they're doing? And the goal of what they're doing is the same. They want to bring good content to the gamers because that's the whole point of their, their companies. But giving them different routes to do that, you know, testing them, uh, letting them work on a project that is their, that is not their IP and seeing how it goes is, is, is a, a very valid way of, of doing it and seeing how Microsoft goes about it, where they're taking IP and then freeing people of the necessity of, of feeling like they have to, to do something for the sake of the money and just giving them the opportunity to create without thinking about how much it's going to cost or how long it's going to take. You, the way you said it at first made it sound like Xbox was trying to be my friend. And I, and then, then in, as you spoke, I was like, all right, I, I see where he's going with this. And I wanted to, to acknowledge the fact that they do want to bring great games to gamers, but they want to do that in a way that's going to make them money financially, be a success for their Game Pass subscription. I think a lot of people are uh, beginning to truly recognize that's their intention. Buried in a lot of this news was that Game Pass is now at 25 million subscribers. Personally, mm-hmm. I was expecting that to be north of 30, so I was a little surprised by that. I know it sounds strange to be disappointed by 25 million, but I thought it'd be a little bit higher. Um, however, in this acquisition, what they're going to have for themselves is a cadence well beyond that of which they would have had with just Bethesda or the studios they'd acquired prior. They're now going to be able to have a shooter and an RPG every year. Every year yeah. they can have one with and and do it by way of deannualizing some of their other shooters so they don't need to pressure a Doom sequel every year or uh, a Doom Wolfenstein cadence. They can break that up a bit with Halo, with Call of Duty, if they choose to do that with that with that franchise, with Singularity or some of these other kind of dormant IP. They can now have you know games in cadence with a rhythm that allows subscribers to get new content regularly. Every quarter is a new game uh, and fresh takes on a lot of these. Meanwhile, not pressuring studios to try to have an annual release that forces crunch, pushes and emphasizes negative uh, work culture. It, to me, is very promising. They've got inroads with a lot of these IP into Game Pass for PC. We talked about inroads into family-friendly style gaming and to shooter spaces. Uh, there's a lot of ways to to look at the benefits for this one. We'll loop back to that, but we kind of accidentally touched on some of the potentials for toxic culture. Activision, a lot of red flags within their company. Bobby Kotick, of course, a monster of a human being, uh, multiple times outed as such in recent months, and it makes sense in hindsight why Microsoft is a bit quieter on this than they could have been. Perhaps some legal legal issues in the middle of an acquisition for why they can and can't comment on certain things. But for all intents and purposes, it looks like Bobby Kotick will be out the moment that this deal goes through, which is expected in June of 2023. Uh, and he'll have a golden parachute, which is gross, but kind of is, is par for the course with these big time CEOs. But in the meantime, there's a lot of cleanup to be done with the cultures within Activision, a lot of harassment and marginalized voices being mistreated. Uh, what was your take or vibe on what it is that Microsoft's commenting on, on these kind of toxic workplaces that are? I think it's clear that, uh, you know, we, we aren't seeing what happened with Bethesda where, you know, Phil Spencer and Todd Howard are setting up a stage and they're going to go out and they're going to have a nice sit down chat about, you know, what, what it's going to mean for these two companies to come together. It's like, nah, it's not quite what's happening here. I think, everyone realized back in August that 
you know, the scales had been lifted from our eyes. We had seen the true horrors that had become uh, what what was once a, a revered publisher as as Activision Blizzard uh, King. And, and after reading uh, the words from from Phil Spencer, both on the on the press release that he put out, plus in, in subsequent uh, uh, interviews and and also Satya Nadella's interviews, uh, it's clear to me that they recognize that what's going on right now over at Activision Blizzard is not the type of culture that we want in the games industry. And while I hate the fact that uh, Bobby Kotick is going to get away and not get fired, he'll be able to to you know take his money, complete his contract, and and be able to walk away without any kind of repercussions. Um, the the sheer fact that he's gone means that there is a large opportunity now for Activision Blizzard to hit the reset button on the culture. Um, and that's been something that has been waning, uh, especially with Blizzard for years now. Um, there's constantly been uh, choices that have been being made at BlizzCons that have been counterintuitive to the the core values that they have on the ring around the big wolf statue that they have in their Irvine campus. And, and it's, and it's nice to see that, you know, there, there's a, a, a lot of lost uh, player people that were at those companies that left because they just weren't happy with the fact that the core values were being uh, uh, ignored and having Microsoft, having Phil Spencer become the CEO, which is a new title for him and, and mm-hmm. means that he's CEO going to of gaming. Yeah, so he'll be in control of of Activision Blizzard King and and the rest of the the stuff. So that's a it's an interesting way for them to kind of make sure that it's a smaller company within the Microsoft group. Uh, it's nice to see that they recognize that there is a cultural issue. As much as they like to be hands off with their studios after acquisition, uh, there does need to be a little bit of a strong arming into this. Hey, you're going to be inclusive. You're going to fix everything. You're not going to let this uh, continue on. This toxic behavior is hurting the games. It's hurting the employees. It's hurting gamers in general. Uh, we want to celebrate games. They are an art form. We want to you know, support the, the, the industry, but we can't do that if we are constantly feeling like the people that are making the things that make us happy are in pain. And having having Microsoft step in I think they were the only ones that was going to be doing this. I can't imagine what an Activision Blizzard would look like if a company like EA bought them mm-hmm. or uh, a, a company uh, like like Take Two. Like we just we just don't know what their cultures are. They're not forward facing enough for us to feel like we're comfortable with those cultures to sit there and say like, yeah, I trust an EA with an Activision Blizzard. They've done they've done a great job with their sports games. I can tend, I can totally Oof. see them doing a Oof. good job with World of Warcraft. You know, it's yeah, like, not a thing you can say. And yeah. you know, every every major company that you've listed, and and I'll even add Ubisoft in there, has had their own scandals in the last year or mm-hmm. outings of, of poor culture. And I want to read the quote that that Phil Spencer included in the press release. So of course, this is a bit of PR speak. Uh, But let me read the quote and then throw a take uh, at you on this one. He says, quote, as a company, Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming among both employees and players. We deeply value individual studio cultures. We also believe that the creative process, creative success and autonomy go hand in hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. We hold all teams and all leaders 
to this commitment. We're looking forward to extending our culture of proactive inclusion to the great teams across Activision Blizzard, end quote. And in many ways, while that is PR speak, we've seen them walk the walk and talk the talk in the best ways over the past few years. It's been a slow, ongoing, arduous process, but it feels to me like Microsoft is one of the few standouts as doing this right. And they included the gaming leadership team's picture for this new Microsoft gaming division in their press release. And in that press release, you're able to see that more than half the leaders of this gaming leadership team are women. Uh, very few of them are are white guys, Phil Spencer, and I don't want to speculate too much, but it looks like only two others uh, are white people, or sorry, white men. And that is boding well to an industry that has been dominated by only one demographic of late. And to me, I find this very promising to see marginalized voices, uh, people of color being included in a leadership team that also includes pronouns and they're discussing their roles uh, in there. I think it's a bold statement. It's a reminder of what's important. And it also is, is one example amongst many that they are trying to walk the walk as they talk the talk. Um, I don't know if you note, noted, but something that was evident to me as this deal broke was a lot of the Microsoft employees uh, were opening up on Twitter and in social media, welcoming their future coworkers from Activision into a place that they were very proud to work. That is not something that regularly happens, particularly as Activision has had many of their employees vocal about their unhappiness within the company. Did you note that? I missed out on the Xbox side of it. I uh, my circles on Twitter and stuff have been more uh, centered around like the Blizzard employees. Mm -hmm. So when I when I would see um, this happen, I, I actually saw a lot of people who used to work at Microsoft who were now currently working at Blizzard who were very happy about this news because they they wanted to stay with Microsoft. There was a better opportunity at Blizzard to do something that's that's you know exciting, and they felt bad that they had to leave the studio or, or you know the company that they enjoyed for for moving to a different one. And then, of course, as things kind of play out, you start seeing that. Uh, the other thing I noticed was a lot of uh, condemnation towards Bobby Kotick from producers, uh, specifically over on Overwatch side who were frustrated at the fact that Bobby was uh, throwing the team under the bus for the delays with Overwatch 2. And in, in, in truth, seeing that the producer was saying that he was the one that had mandated them to work on side projects for Overwatch 1 during the production of Overwatch 2, and that had those projects not been given to them, there was an opportunity that Overwatch 2 would already be done and out, and there wouldn't have been such a long uh, tail to this development cycle for them. So. I, I've been seeing it where, uh, from my perspective, it seems like at least there is a tentative uh, rejoicing from a, a portion of the Blizzard community, both uh, from the fan side and also the employee side, that they're that they're happy about this. Uh, the The concerns that I have for this uh, do come in the form of how is this going to trickle down when there is an acquisition for the employees as far as their healthcare as far as the shares that they might have had in the stock uh for for the company um how is is their like vacation time going to be impacted um work from home is that something that's going to be embraced or uh shut down like there there's things in there that that will only come with time uh and we may not ever find out uh during this year of of kind of acquisition as things get approved plans get set into place and people put in charge of of making sure that things happen 
uh, how the employees are going to be impacted at a very personal level, not just a making video games level. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. I will ask the question, uh, and it is meant to be just a question because I see it in versions of this posted around. Is that something that gamers should care or worry about? I know my stance on this one, but should gamers concern themselves with how much vacation time developers are getting and such? Is that a big deal for gamers to think about? From a gaming perspective, I would say no. Um, If you have friends in the studios or you care about the health of a studio, um, that is something to to kind of champion. But it really does kind of come from a uh, personal perspective. I have friends at Blizzard that I worry about uh, because they're they're personal friends, but only because of the games that they've worked on. So, you know, had I not cared about the games, I wouldn't have learned about the employees. And if it wasn't for me learning about the employees, I wouldn't have become their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's touch and go. You know, it depends on your on your uh, de- dedication to that studio. You know, I was very dedicated to Blizzard. Uh, and the the people that work there, and and when all this came out, it was really tough. So, but as a whole, I, I don't think that that's something they need to worry about because I think uh, just with their jobs and and stuff, I don't think um, other people are worried about you know how much vacation time you as a gamer have to be able to take off for the next Halo release or the next Gears release. You know, that's mm-hmm. not something that uh, other people should really worry about. It, but. In, in my mind, whenever I think of, of an acquisition, those are the things that I, I worried about when it would happen to a company that I was in. Uh, so my, my first instinct is to worry about my friends at the studio. Um, but generally, no, I don't think gamers need to worry about that. I think what gamers should worry about is uh, supporting the companies that are doing the right things uh, to for their employees, you know, not supporting crunch when possible, trying to make good investments in games that they that they think should be supported, you know, pay or, you know, support with your wallet and and be vocal about injustices. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can, if you feel like that's your place. Uh, otherwise, just enjoy the games and, and just use it as the entertainment medium that it is. Yeah, it's it, for me, it's a complex issue in, in many ways and that you should just play the games that you enjoy uh, and if you're impacted on a moral level then then vote with your wallet of course and i think many people did that uh as you look at vanguard's reception uh it certainly made a lot of money it did chart npd but it also um it, it also was maligned in a lot of ways as was you know ea's battlefield and that's going to change the shooter space for sure um, right now activision has roughly ten thousand employees and over the next year and a half we're going to learn a lot about how those those employees are going to be affected and as a gamer you have to choose what's important to yourself and and where you stand on certain issues but uh, i am encouraged by the behaviors of microsoft in the last three four five years uh, as far as inclusion goes and the way that they treat their employees so i'm encouraged by that i don't know that i would feel positive about an acquisition like that in many other cases a lot of people uh, are bringing up you know like what would have happened if it had been Sony or EA or uh, some of the ones that you listed, had they acquired Activision? I don't know that we'd be having quite the same conversations. Now, let's talk about Call of Duty specifically, uh, Logan. Call of Duty, one of the biggest franchises, second probably to Candy Crush uh, in this this big acquisition. That's why, if any listener wasn't sure why Logan kept mentioning King earlier, King is kind of the, the one in charge of, of Candy Crush there. But Call of Duty is the big one. Does Call of Duty stay? 
multi-platform? Does it not? There have been a lot of comments. Uh, Phil Spencer tweeted out, quote, had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship, end quote. I found that one very interesting. Uh, Activision came out with their own statement saying they uh, intend to honor all existing agreements as well. Uh, and Sony, for their part, had a few comments also. For me, when I look at this one, uh, Logan, I wonder, I wonder whether or not we see Call of Duty in 2024 and beyond uh, as a multi-platform property outside of the Battle Royale free-to-play elements of, of Warzone or whatever the equivalent in 2024 is. I do not see a likelihood that Call of Duty stays multi-platform in its campaign state. And I had a lot of pushback. I've seen a lot of people do some some great jobs breaking down numbers. Not something that I have done. Dr. Mo, who was on the show last week, had some great counterpoints to my logic uh, in, in some private DMs, really enjoyed that back and forth there. But when I look at the way Call of Duty has struggled with its annual releases, and I look at the model that Halo has taken with a company like Xbox saying, hey, 343, take the extra year. We'll take the hit. Take the extra year. Get a product that's worth putting out. Put it out there. We see that Halo Infinite charted an MPD uh, just behind Call of Duty in November, despite being free-to-play multiplayer and its campaign available in Game Pass. We know Game Pass drives sales. I see a world where Call of Duty campaigns are exclusive to Xbox platforms, be it PC, cloud, or otherwise. I see free-to-play elements of multiplayer available on multi-platform spaces going forward because we know that PlayStation wants to keep Call of Duty uh, and Microsoft needs to recoup value, but I don't see it staying multi-platform unless there are concessions or deals cut and made uh, a bit of tit for tat i wonder if i'm you know being a bit too cavalier about that what is your take on this one i i can see both sides like uh like dr strange man i i've looked i've looked into the future i've seen the possibilities mm, and okay. and yes. i i can see there's there's so many ways this could go uh if i was Microsoft. Um, there's two approaches that I would take. Uh, I would give I, I would give Xbox players a reason to stick with the the platform. I would give them campaigns that they would be excited for, and Warzone would be something that kind of lives on for for the time being as something that is uh, free to play for every console because having that healthy ecosystem is going to be beneficial for the game, uh, not not just the the consoles themselves. I can also see this as, a, as what you said is a tit for tat. There is a, a bargaining chip that Phil Spencer has. And I don't think it really takes a, f a bunch of phone calls to the leaders of Sony to say, hey, everything's going to be OK. I think they are making those deals. I think that, uh, you know, having crossplay um, is is one of those bargaining chips that now is on Xbox's side. Thanks to Call of Duty. I think that the cross gen uh, cost increase that Activision and EA and uh, uh, ha and what is it Sony have been charging their their customers for to go from a PS4 to PS5 as opposed to smart delivery, which just gives you the the best version for the hardware that you have. Um, I think there are now uh, uh, you know chips on the board that that Xbox has that they didn't have prior to this acquisition that they could use to say like, hey, if you want 
these uh, these campaigns from Call of Duty because they are such a an integral part to the first person shooter genre for the the Sony PlayStation. You're going to have to make concessions because we are not just going to give it to you. We need something in return, whether that be the uh, the pipe dreams of having Game Pass on a Sony platform, which I, I honestly don't think they'll do. Uh, I, I think it will. And I think that's because of Sony. I don't think Sony would would want that on there. I think Xbox would love to have it on there. Um, but I think that they there is a potential for campaigns to stay multi-platform, but there's going to be some heavy concessions on what deals get put in place to make sure that Xbox is uh, is is things. Whether it's you have to log into an Xbox account to be able to play those, uh, or you have to um, you know be able to have crossplay free, so that there's no cost between uh, companies. Whether they want to be able to have um, be, they don't have to pay that that extra fee to to Sony. Uh, for that kind of stuff it's it's hard to say if if i had my druthers uh i would say that xbox needs to be hard about this campaigns need to stay on an xbox console that's why you spent the money for that ip you want to build game pass i i think 25 million is an interesting number to relay in a thing i think they wanted it to be higher i think them saying like hey if you want to play call of duty sign up to game pass there's 25 million players right now uh, I think they want that to be closer to 40 in, in, in a couple years time. And the way to do that is to push, uh, push campaigns day one game pass and keep it exclusive, keep Warzone something that's multi-platform. You know, there's plenty of other, uh, for, you know, first person shooters out there. There's, uh, apex legends. You've got, um, Fortnite out there. There's uh, PUBG now just went free to play as well too. There's plenty of opportunity for people to play games, but the fact that it's Call of Duty will always sell. And I think they know that. And I think they want to push that. I think they would much rather have people buying Xboxes and signing up for Game Pass than they would uh, trying to stay on a Sony platform. God of War is crushing it uh, in its recent PC release. We know Horizon's coming to PC. Uh, There is... A, a real case to say that Sony is waking up to this PC element. You think we see God of War, or Horizon, or any of these others drop into Game Pass for PC? I mean, I, I'm spitballing in the funniest ways because a week and a half ago, man, yeah. I never would have imagined, right? Like, none of this <laughs> sky's the limit. Like, am I going to get Spider-Man <laughs> on Xbox at some point? Do I just need to log into my Xbox account to get achievements, you know, on a PlayStation? Is is this is this where we are headed? Because they are there. It seems to me like some of these giants are waking up to the idea that uh, rising tides lift all boats. And if you want to make a lot of money, you got to shake hands. And so interesting. Man. It's yeah, I'm I'm curious. I don't know. Like that's a pie in the sky element. Some people are probably laughing their heads off. But, you know, would you laugh your head off at the idea of an, uh, Microsoft acquiring Activision for 70 billion dollars? Uh-huh. You know, in yeah. doing that, they have opened themselves up to a PC market that they wouldn't have gotten as they grow Game Pass or PC. You mentioned Korea. What does this mean for for StarCraft and World of Warcraft and so much? I mean, the sky is now the limit. And so I, I nothing's off the table anymore, at least not in my mind. Like, what else could happen here? I want to see some of these deals cut because I want to just be able to play with my buddies wherever in whatever ecosystem, whether that my friend's getting a trophy and I'm getting an achievement. Uh, I don't like the idea that Spider-Man was exclusive because that's a character I think belongs to everyone. Um, I, it's, it's just wild it, it, at all these weird tit for tats that could happen. 
And if none of these ever do, both companies, Sony and Microsoft, are going to be just fine because they have got some crushingly amazing IP. Like, strictly Sony, you got what you have Last of Us, God of War, Horizon, Spider-Man, Gran Turismo, Uncharted. I mean, they're going to be just fine. Xbox is going to be just fine. I'm just so excited by what these deals cut could be. I'm rambling yeah. because I'm excited. Yeah, you know? I, I it's it's one of those situations where Microsoft is making big moves. They are still behind. They are still the the so, the lowest selling console out there. They are, are you know they are still trying to catch up to what Sony has. Mm-hmm. Sony still has an amazing list of IP that you mentioned. When it comes to the idea of uh, Sony exclusives showing up on Game Pass, it seems so astronomically out of the question that, you know, had you'd asked me a week ago if Activision Blizzard was something that was going to be purchased by Microsoft, I I would have actually laughed. I saw a tweet the night before that. Literally, Court Lalonde asked me last week what the next one was to go to. And I was like, Activision, Call of Duty is never going to Game Pass. And they've literally said, we're going to work on bringing their catalog to Game Pass. Who's the fool now? Me. Me. Uh, yeah, it, it just goes to show, you know, it, it just comes down to the right situation. I think if Sony starts to feel the hurt uh, because of Game Pass and there's an opportunity there, then I could totally see it. But with the way Sony operates is they are very they are very bullish on how good their IP is. They understand the, the power that their IP has. And that's why they can charge $70 for their games and no one blinks an eye, but, but they, they put out really good content. So, oh man, I don't know. I call of duty is a force to be reckoned with good, bad, doesn't matter. Everyone plays it. Everyone wants it. Everyone expects to get it. And there's a large non-vocal group of people out there that will pick it up regardless. But I, I can tell you right now, man, if, if call of duty goes on Xbox and it's exclusive, Someone's going to walk into a store and they're going to say, I want Call of Duty for the PlayStation 5. And someone's going to be like, that's not a thing anymore. You're going to buy an Xbox. They're going to buy an Xbox. That's just mm-hmm. what Call of Duty does. So I don't know that I would see them being able to use Call of Duty as a bargaining chip to the extent of getting Sony exclusives on Game Pass. Would I like that? Oh, hell yeah. I would I would love to not have to spend $70 or wait for sales and be out of the zeitgeist for that kind of stuff. But man, I I think Sony is is still kind of treading water. They're still kind of dipping their toe into the water that is the PC verse and, and seeing how games do. And I think because of how good God of War is doing, I think they are starting to wake up to that idea of, okay, this seems like a market that is not going to, to cost us a lot in playstation 5 sales given we can't even keep up with supply right now uh this may be a good alternative for us to be able to to bring in cash that we normally wouldn't get because clearly there is a large subsect of people who will not buy a game or buy a ps4 console to play a game that came out in 2018 they would much rather just wait and never play it than have to buy a console for it because they are so dedicated to the pc side Mm-hmm. That's a good point. It's a good point, uh, man. I it's funny because I wanted to say so, stay so structured in this conversation, but my mind continues to just run rampant with possibilities, questions. I feel so foolish at the idea of thinking, well, what if the tit for tat brings Spider Man uh, over or doesn't? You know, you want Call of Duty, you give you know, make sure Spider Man's multiplayer. My mind goes there, but I just feel so silly 
when I do that uh, as well, it's it's awesome. I think it's exciting. It's fun to see the speculation, the, the surrounding conversations about the different IP and their power and their sway in the gaming industry. Um, my pie in the sky was bringing Spider-Man over because I want him to be multi-platform. Uh, I sincerely doubt that'll ever happen. But do you have a pie in the sky hope or wish that comes out of this deal is for, for in any direction in any way? Yeah, I I would I would honestly I would love to see StarCraft uh brought back to the 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 storytelling sci-fi narrative that it was. You know, we're 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 going to be getting um uh we're, we're going to be getting uh Starfield at the end of the year. And and I think that's great. I think what Todd Howard is is striving to do is amazing and I can't wait for that. Uh but I have such a connection to the StarCraft characters. Uh, with Kerrigan and Rainer and Tychus and them, and and it's and it's one of those things where, um, for so long it felt like the the ignored child. Like how many Nintendo fans have been uh, begging to to have like a, a, a an F Zero game brought in or or a Metroid Prime Four, um, and and we've we've never gotten those kind of big dreams and wishes. How many people want another Banjo Kazooie, and we just haven't gotten those things. Uh, so, you know, if I had a pie in the sky thing that came from this acquisition, I would just love for one of the teams at at Microsoft, one of the 32 studios that they have to raise their hand and be like, I, I would like to work on StarCraft. Can M- Mr. Matt Booty, can I have that? Because mm-hmm. that would be nice. That would so be cool. I, if, if I would love to have uh, Spider-Man available to everyone. Um, I am one of the people that went and hunted down a PS5 to be able to play those games on those Same. consoles. So, Same. you know, it, 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 but I'm, I recognize that I'm privileged in that aspect. I, I don't get that opportunity the way many other people do. Um, but I also recognize that those deals, that game probably wouldn't have been a thing if it wasn't for Insomniac and if it wasn't for Sony buying Insomniac. So mm-hmm. I have to come at the, at the perspective is, is, would I would I want to play Spider-Man as much as I do if it wasn't Insomniac's Spider-Man making it? And if Sony wasn't footing the bill for that? All the more ironic given that now with Activision, the previous Spider-Man makers of Beanox are <laughs> Xbox Studios. You know what I mean? Like they made yeah. some really good and some mediocre Spider-Man, Spider-Man games. But yeah, like it, it's all the more ironic that you say that because the previous makers of those games are now Xbox Studios or will you, be in a year and a half. Do you think that those games will come like we we know that they've shuttered the the backwards compatibility side of uh, Xbox. They they did their last uh, launch of games back in I think it was November. Do they reopen that? What is that team working on now? Like if they're not doing backwards compatibility, what are they working on? So do you think that they would take a look at the the games that Activision had published before and now offer those through backwards compatibility? Uh, yeah, I do think they take a look at it. I don't know why they Ooh. wouldn't take a look at it. Uh, sky's the limit, man. Money opens a lot of doors. And I think a lot of uh, places that we thought were previously shut off are now going to be re-examined. Uh, Court Lalonde even asked us in the questions for this show whether or not we thought FPS boost would come to old Activision and Blizzard games. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of love and attention would be paid to that back catalog, even if it means reopening a few back compat games. Um when it comes to franchises that are locked behind, you know, different types of IP like Spider-Man, uh, I think it'll be a case by case basis. You might get some, not others. You know, Sony wants to make money. 
they've been really protective of spider-man as an ip but spider-man shows up in plenty of other places on nintendo you know thinking about ultimate alliance 3 uh there are possibilities here think about mobile so i think a lot of them the catalog gets re-examined that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a yes to all no to all i think it's going to be a case-by-case basis but uh Mm. characters are are important to people and i think that more and more rising tides left all boats and so you know spider-man no way home came out and suddenly spider-man sales jumped up right yeah something similar do you think that part of the deals that might be keeping Call of Duty multi-platform, if that's the case, do you think that they start to to start offering the license to Spider-Man back to a company like Beanox? Do we start uh, getting multiple Spider-Man games for Xbox? Uh, I think it's possible, but not at all a one-to-one. Like, you're not going to get a third-person open-world so like it wouldn't be in any way the same thing you might be thinking like spider-man mm. friend or foe or ultimate alliance you know what i mean like you might yeah. see spider-man as a character show up in more places but you will not get a competitor to insomniac spider-man uh i'm th- thinking about like marvel's avengers had spider-man as an exclusive character right mm-hmm. that might be the closest you get in in, in a version of seeing spider-man back on uh, an xbox console but you will not get a competitor in any way shape or form uh, and nor should you, nor should you. They should not license multiple Spider-Man games that look similar. You know what I mean? That mm. comparison is not healthy for anyone trying to to achieve a- achieve Insomniac's level because that is the cream of the crop right now. Um, are, are you speaking specifically to the amazing release of Spider-Man in uh, the the PS version of Avengers? Is, is that <laughs> well? They they oh, that was a bad deal from the start. But just in general, like it's not fair to a company to try and release a third person action version of spider-man when insomniac is making what they're making and it damages the brand of spider-man right they need to be very particular how they uh, curate yeah. i think they are being careful uh for sure for sure yeah yeah you're not wrong let's go to another question one more to, to round out the end of our show here edward varnell writes in he says will e3 be important to microsoft this year uh, easy question yes uh, and then he says after an amazing show in 2021 do you expect them to reveal more dates and gameplay or good ambiguous trailers that will leave us guessing? What do you think? Ooh, I think we're actually going to see gameplay. Um, I think we're going to get a dive into uh, Redfall. I think we're going to get a dive into uh, Starfield. Um, I think we're probably going to start seeing some actual information about Perfect Dark and uh, um, Fable. Uh, I, I don't see them... I think Xbox needs to do the thing that they haven't been doing. They've been doing a great job of putting up uh, titles for games that they're, that they have plans on working on. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it would be positive for them this year to actually start showing those games. Uh, Cause realistically we're running into the situation where Xbox only has two main titles that we can look forward to this year. Uh, same thing with last year to an extent. We still had a, a bunch of littler games, but realistically, I would say Forza, or Forza Horizon 5 and Halo were the two big standouts uh, for for what we were looking forward to. And with this year being Redfall and uh, uh, Starfield, I think it's kind of time that they start saying like, hey, you know, we're, we're getting closer to Everwild. We're getting closer to uh, the Fable game and Perfect Dark and giving us an idea of, what those games are going to start actually looking like. Uh, Cause I would, I would love to see 
you know, what the what Crystal Dynamics is actually helping out with with the Perfect Dark game. Um, I want to know what the style is, what the gameplay is, if they're if they're going to stick to uh, just it being a, an, a shooter or if they're going to add any interesting elements to it. Um, I think that those are are some of the the things that if if Microsoft wants to succeed this E3, which I'm I'm still kind of in question whether or not they're it's important that they are uh, going to be at E3. I don't even know if E3 is going to be a thing this year, right? Um, right. But I, I do I do think that they are going to have their own show, whether there's an E3 or a Summer's Game Fest or you know whatever happens to come out that time. Uh, I think that they will definitely do their own show and i think that show is going to be insane because i think while they can't speak to activision blizzard stuff during that show uh i think that we're going to start seeing a little bit more about stuff that was uh in talks before the bethesda acquisition and then maybe some vertical slices from some of the companies that were working on some of those games that were uh just title cards on last year's e3 so that's kind of what i want them to do uh if i had to put out like a, a list of ways for xbox to succeed at e3 paper yeah no I, it makes sense i think we do see an e3 like event whether or not e3 proper happens microsoft has shown a propensity to support e3 uh not the least of which because activision and phil spencer are on those boards um for sure but whatever it is you do need to see gameplay this year uh, Edward of some of the future projects, at least to continue selling the idea of them. Uh, to Logan's point, Redfall and Starfield are very overdue for gameplay if we are getting them in this year, and those are to be the only uh, Xbox exclusive titles that are of a AAA capacity from Xbox Game Studios. Um, but who knows at this point right now? I mean, there's so much up in the air as the pandemic continues to go, right? Uh, it certainly changes a lot of things as work from home fluctuates for different countries for different uh, studios and different studio cultures uh, a lot more question marks than answers that's for sure that is if, for sure if you had to pick one ip that they did a that they did a deep dive on that wasn't redfall or starfield is there one that's kind of in the wings that you're waiting that you're looking forward to for like an e3 moment <sighs> no but that's because <laughs> quietly whispers ready to run out of the room None of their stuff really excites me. Like Fable, Avowed, Perfect Dark. Those aren't my games. My games are Halo and yeah. Gears. And I've gotten those. So, and Forza. So I kind of got like State of Decay 3 is a, is a good ways out, I think. That's the next one that I'm super excited for. So now it's interesting to be an Xbox content creator for me uh, in that I got my big thing that I'm looking forward to. Starfield doesn't even chart. I couldn't even care less about Starfield at the moment. I've seen nothing to sell me because mm. Skyrim in space isn't my jam, right? <laughs> I'm just not excited by that. Halo was what my big reason for being part of this community was, as was Gears. And so uh, as our superhero games, which Xbox isn't really doing, Doom is a far way out, you know, the next Doom, whatever that may be. So um it, the onus is on them in my particular case, but I think I'm in the minority there. You know, like most people are excited to, to find Skyrim in space. They are excited for the next Bethesda project. And in future, they'll be excited for what happens with Overwatch 2 or, or some of these other shooters. So the onus is on them. There's not one that I need to see. I'm excited to, to find out what comes from these studios because I kind of got my wish with Halo Infinite. I'm excited for the next Halo campaign whenever that comes out, if it's 2022 or beyond. Like, 
that's a, an interesting position for me to be in as an Xbox creator. Do you think that that they would surprise us with uh, like a date for the next Halo update for the campaign at E3? Do you think that that would be a, a feasible amount of time for them to say like, hey, coming in 2023, the next Halo uh, story is, is going to push yes. forward? Yeah, mm. I do think you do that because you want to remind people that this game is ongoing. You want to remind mm. people that the game is a live service game. Uh, you you do need to do that. You need to say give a date or a timeline, I should say, for when the next single player elements uh, are showing up. We know we're getting co op. We we know we are understood to believe that co op is coming at the the launch of season two. They've been really reactive in the best ways with how they're handling the multiplayer side of things, uh, and we know that Microsoft's giving the team time and support to make the game that they want to make. So I've been really encouraged by how they've handled Halo Infinite. Since launch, they've, they've really done a good job at speaking and communicating with fans for things that are working, are not working, responding to criticisms about their progression and battle pass. Uh, but they do need to remind people that single player or campaign elements, co-op or otherwise, are on the way. And so, yes, I do think you see a timeline for the next content for, for Halo Infinite uh, at E3 or its equivalent uh, to come forward. I gotta, I gotta ask, do you want them to go to another biome? Sure. Yeah. I think we saw the desert biome at the end of infinites. A lot of the extended lore shows that, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be going there. There's a lot of places to explore that aren't, um, kind of the standard Pacific Northwest looking places, but I was not bothered by the lack of biome when I took into account that most of the missions took you through forerunner structures, took you through banished structures that were not Pacific Northwest looking. So when I thought about biomes, it was like, they did a really good job with environments and they really did take you away from the, the, the green lush trees as you went through different missions. It's that the open world was the standard biome. And so when I kind of adjusted my perspective there, I was a bit more comfortable, but yeah, I think they need to show a different environment. They need to bring you more and different things to make that open world continuously appealing. You can't just stay the same. Mm. Um, sea of thieves kind of suffered that as they, they gave us the, Oh, the fire the area. Devil's Roar. Thank you. The Devil's Roar. And they've yet to bring in some winter elements. They've chosen instead to expand their game's perception within their, their known environments. That said, I trust that team now in a way that I wouldn't have prior to launch and prior to the way they've reacted to feedback. Interesting. Yeah, see, for, for me, I, it never bothered me that we were in the Pacific Northwest. I'm like, it's, it looks pretty. There's a bunch of trees. It looks awesome. If anything, just let me blow up the trees. Cause I think, I think that would be fun, but yeah, I, I, I see where they're going with it. And I, 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 I'm hopeful the way you are, that we start to get more information about Halo Infinite at an E3, like uh, video or, or presentation. Uh, I, I, I still don't know that we're ever going to get that, but I can't wait for like 2024 when we have an E3, but it's just, it's just Microsoft and they have like one presentation like they give back todd howard the ability to have his own bethesda mm-hmm. uh like presentation and then they they bring out uh you know uh, um mike yubara and, and to to talk about like blizzard stuff and we don't have to do like the the weird kind of blizzcon line thing that they did a couple years ago like mm-hmm. and then they've got like the main xbox one and it's like this this big trifecta of really awesome presentations from studios that are really happy about making the games that they're working on and xbox makes their own e3 and they you know they're just like hey 
Nintendo, if you want, we're doing it this day at this time. We'd love to see you there. You know, you don't have to bring anything if you don't want to. But if you had a Metroid Prime, that'd be great. A new Mario Kart, what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, Sony, you're welcome as well, too. You know, you got like an Uncharted or a new Tomb Raider, you know, whatever you want to bring. That's fine. You got a Final Fantasy in the pocket. That's that's cool. You know, we'll 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 lay the stage. We'll put the table out. The supplies are all here. Uh, just bring what you got and we'll all sit down and kind of have a nice moment to ourselves. And we don't need the label of E3 for this to still feel like an E3. True that. True that. A good point made. Well, Logan, I think it's time for us to depart. Uh, ladies and gents, you need to go support Logan and his new show, The Xbox Wrap Up. Logan, let people know where they can find you over on the social spaces and any other projects you got coming up. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, thanks for letting me come on to the show. It's it's always been something I've wanted to do. I love listening to your show. It helps me get through my week. And I love all the interviews that you do with devs and uh, actors and stuff and bringing in voices that uh, you wouldn't normally hear with any other, any other podcast. No other podcast goes out of their way to try and get as many different interviews and, and voices from the industry into their show it's always just like we're going to react to this so i i love what you do so thank you for thank giving you. me an opportunity to actually be in, involved with that i really love that um to to if people want to get a hold of me though you can always hit me up on twitter twitter's kind of the main place i hang out uh i'm at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-g-u-n at capped logan uh you can listen to the xbox wrap up wherever you want uh the twitter for the xbox wrap up on twitter is just that the xbox wrap up uh, but yeah, I just really looking forward to this next year, uh, in, in seeing what we get to do with, with video games, man, Xbox is, is coming out swinging. There's a lot to talk about. It's going to be so many things to break down in the future. Guys, you can find me on Twitter at insipidghost. Email me insipidghost at gmail.com. Thank you for your support. Like, share, subscribe, all the additional things that you can do to support a show. Take care, everybody. Thank you.